Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. We're happy that you're here. Man, we are going to jump right in. We're going to continue to stay in this atmosphere of worship. I got to say something. As I was standing up there, Anthony, I just want you to lift your hand for a minute. If you don't know what's going on in this young man's life, it's incredible. First of all, he's here both services. He gets here early and help, helps out with the usher crew. Uh, we actually met each other about three years ago at a uh, GPC yard sale, believe it or not. And through um, him helping me out with some things, it's been amazing to see him. I've been begging him and asking him to finally start coming to church. And for about three months now, he's been here every week, both services, and seeing you worship, Anthony, and seeing the change that's taking place in your life is why we do what we do and what it's all about. So we're thankful that God is touching you. You're growing in who you are in Christ, and it's just awesome to see you flourishing and seeing you growing. We're proud of you, man. It's awesome. Encourage them, yeah. That's good. Well, I'm excited about the message this morning. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a subject that is probably all of our favorite subject. Um, but around the subject where we talk about what uh, we're going to be sharing, as we begin to land our descent of the plane, Hope for Your Home, in this series, our heart from the beginning is that you would take your home situation, whatever it looks like, wherever it's at, whatever's going on, good, bad, ugly, you're on the mountain, you're in the valley, that you would know there is hope for every situation that you walk through. That where you're at, you don't have to stay stuck. Somebody said amen, that we're not stuck when we're in Christ, but that there is power that can come, there is hope that can come, that the God of hope, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So with Christ in our homes, anything is possible when we lean into him and when we partner with what he's doing. You know, along this subject of what we're going to be talking about this morning, I ask that you hear my heart in it. And see, here's the thing with pastoring is I don't get to pick and choose what we talk about, right? That we take the full gospel, we take the entire word of God, and we bring it to you, and we preach it unapologetically, but we preach it through the heart of what God intended it to be. See, I think that's where a lot of preachers, they miss it, where they have the concept, but how it's preached, it can be as you've heard it, where they're, you're beating at the sheep, or you're coming down on the sheep, or they're judgmental. But my heart always is, is to take touchy, tough subject stuff that gets to the core of us, tough, the subject that we're going to talk about today, there's a lot of shame, guilt, there's condemnation associated with it, even pain. But what is amazing is when we see it God's way and we choose to come at it open heart and allow the Holy Spirit to show us what his design of it was, then it can be something that's powerful, it can be something that's beautiful, and it can be something where you see God in it. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is the subject of sex and sexuality. So if you're new here to church, you came on a great Sunday. So we're happy you're here. But this is all a part uh, of our series, uh, Hope for Your Home. If we're honest, we've seen sex, we've seen sexuality cause a lot of pain, a lot of damage in our homes for multiple generations. If it's not handled 
in God's design, it can cause a lot of pain. Can we agree with that? But what the heart of God is and what he gives us through scripture, aren't you thankful that God's word doesn't trap us or give us, gives us a small vision of sexuality, but through his word, what we see in the word of God, it's boundaries so that we can have the best of what God has to give us. So what we're gonna see today is boundaries that uh, Paul in Corinthians lays out of if you stay within these boundaries, you're gonna see the design and you're gonna see the blessing that sex is. Now, what we have to know about sexuality and and about sex this morning, and if you're not taking notes, this is a great, great message to take some notes in, okay? Is what we need to know about sex and sexuality is God designed it. God is all over it. And it's something that is so powerful that the enemy knew if he could get his hands around and squeeze the life out of us, out of it and bait us into temptation, bait us into immorality, then the very thing that God created, he could use as destruction in our lives. You see, what we established several weeks ago and what Pastor Joyce brought out is we, last week, is that we need to arrange our minds. And I believe that this is a word for us and for a generation and for our culture is that we need to arrange our mind and get a biblical worldview of sex and of sexuality and see what the scripture has to say about it and then ask the grace of the Holy Spirit to empower us to walk in it. Now, I know very much when this subject is brought up, again, there's shame and guilt and pain associated with it or maybe you've, you knew what God said about it but through decisions and things, you, you walked out of that or you stepped outside of that. Now, again, I want you to hear my heart. This isn't a I told you so message or this isn't here's what God's word says because here's the reality on this topic of sex is if you may have grown up in a church where literally all you heard in a youth group was is don't have sex till you're married and between now and then, good luck, right? Like you never really got a lot of tools of how you can walk out in purity. And what I want you to hear through the topic of sex is that it's so much bigger than virginity. Like, I think sex just gets just brought all the way down to this, this aspect of it, which is great and is God's heart and his design. But the bigger picture of sex is purity. It's purity. That when I look at my life, from my adolescence to my teens, to married in my 20s to my 30s and beyond, is I want to live a life of purity every day of my life. One of my prayers is that Bree and I pray every morning as we put on our armor, is we ask the Holy Spirit to gird us and guard us up sexually. Because I don't know when I'm walking out of the house what is gonna be thrown my way or what my eyes are gonna have to see. So I ask the power of the Holy Spirit to guard and to protect. And I believe that's what God's heart is here, is that he shows us in this design, this is where you're gonna find the blessing of it. I've heard it put this way, is sex is like a container. And when you, when you think of, for an example, Niagara Falls and the power and the beauty of it and how the energy that is produced from Niagara Falls, how it lights and heats and cools thousands of homes around it. But what's amazing and what the downfall of it is, is that uh, I think Houston, Texas would know it best when a flood happens and it gets out of the parameters, it can cause such destruction. And I think that's the culture in the world we've seen it, is that we've seen it get out of the parameters and we're living in the mess and on the other side of it and trying to maneuver in it and not going back 
to God's word and saying, Holy Spirit, I've stepped over here. I've grieved you. Now show me how to walk and get back on the path. Because here's the thing, there is grace if you've messed up. There is grace if you've fallen over here. And my heart this morning is that you get the hope and that by the end of today, we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna surrender our sexuality to God, both past, both present, and for the future. Does that sound like a good plan this morning, a good direction this morning? You know, there's a, a great quote from a church father, and this is really what has guided us in our series. It says this, it says, the future of the world and of the church passes through the family. So the importance of the family dynamic, and that's, again, what we're looking at in our series, Hope for the Home. Just to establish uh, what sex is and in the context it, it is desired to be, and what we established several weeks ago is that God created oneness. We looked at uh, how uh, it said the Trinity, when God spoke in Genesis chapter two, it said, let us make man in our own image. And that word us was the Trinity creating male and, fe- and female, that it was uh, a partnership. It was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit creating man. Well, we see this in sexuality. And this is what you have to see is that our sexuality expresses God and shows forth God. That when a man and a woman in the marriage bed comes together and in the act of sex through procreating, it represents God. It shows forth God. This is his design from from the very beginning that there's one marriage. There is one man, one woman. Sex is uh, is undefiled in the marriage bed and through that would reflect and, and flesh out who God is and how he works and what his design is. It's amazing, and again, my heart through this is in a 35-minute sermon, we can't get to everything, but that you would just begin to see something from a different perspective, and you would begin to investigate this for yourself, and you would begin to see what is God's design. And here's the power of a message like this as well, is whatever you've seen sexually in your life, or maybe there's abuse associated with the word sex in your life, or maybe you've, you've seen and done things in your youth that you're not proud of or that you regret. See, here's the thing I've found when it comes to sex and sexuality, is many times we just er- try to erase it and just move on from it, but where the power is is when we get real with God and we allow him to deal with us and set us free of those things in our past. Many times, or what baptism is all about is is it's a renunciation of the world. It's a renunciation of anything of my past. The same as what we do with God and what we do in those areas when we repent. It's a renunciation of that and it's a full 180 in getting back in the right direction and empowered by grace, knowing you're forgiven, knowing you're cleansed. And you're gonna hear as Paul shares some of these tough things, he gives grace and how to begin to walk in grace as well in our sexuality. You know, there's, uh, Bree and I were uh, having a conversation and just going through some simple lies that we've believed or that we've heard others believe about sex, especially in singleness. And I wanna encourage you, you single people or those of you who are in a season of you haven't been married or maybe you're later in life and you are single, I pray this message encourages you as well is that you would have a heart and understand purity and understand that uh, your purity honors God. Your singleness and your purity honors God and that you would be empowered and encouraged 
to continue to walk that out as well. There's uh, a powerful passage of scripture that I encouraged you and, uh, to look in uh, several weeks ago in Genesis 3. What we see in, in Genesis 3 is when the serpent shows up. Come on, you all like that one. Uh, the serpent shows up. That's how they talk. And the serpent shows up and tempts Eve, okay? I got to get you all laughing a little bit. Cut the air with a knife in here. Um, the serpent goes and he tempts Eve. And what, is, what happens there? We know what happens. We know the story. Is Satan twists the word of God. And what Eve sees on what he is tempting her with is something that offers her wisdom, something that offers her power, and something that looks irresistible. So there was no way she was saying no to that, to what and how the enemy was bringing that about. So he whispered these lies. Eve took the bait. Adam took the bait. And now we live in a fallen world because of that. And we see what the outcome was because of the fallen nature, that now there's shame. It says they were naked and they retreated. They isolated themselves. They tried to hide from God and they covered themselves in fig leaves is what the scripture says. And so we see now associated with sex and sexuality is the enemy speaks the same lies. He tries to portray, we see in culture and in our media and on our Instagrams, it doesn't take more than several scrolls and you're seeing something explicit or something inappropriate. And so we're just constantly getting sexual image in, in front of us and the enemy is saying this is what sex is and this is what it's all about. See, here's the thing with, with sex as well in regards of being loud about it, is this is something we all deal with on a daily basis in some way, shape, or form. And unfortunately, this has been something that the church has large, at large has been way too quiet about, has not walked us through of how we're to walk through this and what it's to look like and what God's design of it is. And my prayer is, as we move forward as a church, as we grow as a church, that we would approach this very honestly, very authentically. And I pray that you appreciate that as much as we talk about faith and as much as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about sex as well. We're going to talk about things that are a little sticky, a little itchy, but it's the very thing that I believe a message like this can get to the root of some issues in our lives and truly set us free and truly give us freedom in an area that isolates, an area that hides. Because the truth is, no one wants anyone to know your mishaps, your mistakes, what you did when you were 18, 19, 20. So we just push that in the closet and it never really gets dealt with and then we pay the dividends of that because God has not dealt with it and then we deal with that in our lives present day and it wants to invade and rob you in your marriage. See, here's the first lie if you're taking notes, what we believe and what we came to in just regards to marriage is when I get married, all of those desires will just, they'll go away. It's like a magic day, it's a wedding day. Then all those desires of my past they just get better and they go away. But many of us know that our eyes still work the same way, our hands still work the same way, we still walk the same way. And so it's not a magic thing that happens on our wedding day, right, married couples, that it just puts all these desires in its right place. Many of us, we walk into our marriage with so much baggage, with disordered desires. We've seen sex portrayed in an unhealthy way. We have baggage of how it's been treated to us and then we're left, like we said in that song we sang today, in the middle. Like, what do I do now in the middle of this? And that's the most powerful place of when God, you can allow God to get in the middle 
of those situations. And that's really where he works best. Where you feel weak or don't know what to do, he wants to get right in the middle and heal us in ways we never thought were possible. You know, I've seen through my journey and Bree and I's journey and my journey just in adolescence and in my teens that purity works. Purity produces power. Purity produces strength. And purity produces security in your life. Whatever season of life you're in, whatever your past is, what I want you to know today, when you walk out of these doors, you can choose to leave all of that here and say, I am walking in purity from this day forward. Whatever cost is associated to you with that, you need to go before God and you need to get in his word and seek the Holy Spirit and seek scripture on that. I'm not going to tell you what to do or what it should look like. I simply want to share what God's word says about this subject this morning. You guys ready to buckle up and get into it? Feeling good this morning? Okay. Look what scripture says, Mark chapter 10, six through nine. Hear what it says. This is powerful. And this is gonna address a second lie if you're taking notes. And the second lie is this that we've heard, we've talked about, is there's this dumbing down of sex and what it creates. And the lie says this. It says that sex is just physical just like tackle football. It's just a physical thing. It's recreation. It's something you simply do. It's if I have sex one night, I can forget it and move on and nothing really happened. And so sex is just physical is the first lie. But this is what we see in the gospel, what it says. It says, but God made them male and female. So he's affirming what we read in Genesis. It says from the beginning of creation, this explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. It says, and the two are united into one. Since they no longer are two, but one, let no one split what God has joined. Everybody say joined. Joined Joined together. So we see this word joined, and there's so much power in this word. Because what this word, if you go and you read ancient writings, or you do a, a Latin or a Greek or a Hebrew study on this, it means three things. And so it's saying that when you are joined with your wife or if you're joined with anyone, when you have sex with them, this is what takes place. Number one is this, if you're taking notes. Through the physical act of sex, you were joined physically. Number two is you were joined emotionally through intimacy and closeness. And number three, you were joined spiritually through a covenant. And so we see these three things take place. And this is what this word join means here. There's a physical, there's an emotional, and there is a spiritual act taking place here. And so I pray you're starting to see and are being reminded that this is a much higher thing than something that is simply just a physical act that's taking place. And we need to know as well as sex is so much bigger than just pleasure. It's not all about pleasure. God didn't design sex just for pleasure. The truth that we need to know, there is an aspect of pleasure in sex in the marital bed. And we see this, if you want a good read, go and read songs, Song of Solomon. And you'll see this beautiful uh, uh, conversation in this play between a husband and a wife and how much fun they're having. And it shows that marriage isn't boring or marriage isn't dull, but it can be exciting. And when you think about marriage being exciting, when is the last time we've seen on a hit TV show, whatever, that marriage has been portrayed as exciting and full of life. Like when you see a sexual relationship on TV, it's always outside the context of marriage. That's what we see in our world today. So as our youth, as kids, as 
as you and I watch this, this is what is being put into us of how sexual relationships work and, and the context of what they are. You know, I'm convinced as well is that the enemy wants to give us a poor duplicate, a poor quality duplicate of what sex is. If I were to have the Mona Lisa picture right here and the value that it holds and the beauty of it, all over the place, there's duplicates of the Mona Lisa that you can have. They're cheap, they're easy to get. You can make a copy yourself. You can go online and print one off right now. So what, the, what God's design is, is to portray this Mona Lisa and show it to everyone so that they can see the beauty of it. But what the enemy does is he takes that picture and he takes his marker and he begins to draw in it and add a little bit of stuff here and there. Or what he wants to do is he just wants to show you a, a photocopy of it. Where God's design through you and I and in our marriages is to show the world the gospel through our sexuality and through our marriage and show what God can do and the beauty of it. But we know in the world we live in that there's so much brokenness and shame and hurt and pain associated with it. So how many of you know we need healing in this area and we need truth to come forth? See, the word of God says that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But the thing is, you have to know it. It says you need to know the truth. So if we don't know it, then we're not going to live in it and act in it and operate in it. Other lies we believe, and we've heard this, is that everybody's doing it, right? It's just common. It's recreation. And number four is Bree and I were test driving because we are about to step into minivan life. Come on, let me hear you minivan people. Moms, you're all about it. I see a couple. We are test driving minivans. Uh, what we came to the conclusion with as we were test driving is there's, you've heard it said before, is that it's better to test it before you buy it, right? And so we see in our culture that there's this, if you love them or the next step before you get married is you move in, you play a little house, you see if you're compatible. And really, I was looking statistics on this, is having that um, approach is like knowing there's a 70% expectancy of you crashing and you getting in the car and not putting your seatbelt on. Like all the statistics and health studies around that never say that that is the best path to go. And you even look at uh, the divorce rates of first, second, and third marriages outside of the church, that it usually gets worse. And so what I'm saying through that is experience is not the way to go. If I can dabble in this and get a little experience here, I wanna make sure I know what I'm doing, I wanna know what I like. So here's the thing when we go for experience is entering sex premaritally into a relationship, what it does and what it says is it masks the personality or it masks really what is with that person. And then what begins to happen is you become motivated by lust. Lust begins to guide you and to lead you where you're not getting to know that person outside of a sexual relationship. And so God's design is not easy it takes dying of self. It takes trusting God and saying that God's plan is bigger than what my feelings are. God's way is bigger than what I want. And see, what the enemy was offering to Eve and what he offers to you and I before marriage and even in marriage is instant gratification. Yeah. He gives, it says, you can have this right now. All you have to do is make the choice and step across the line and take it. But we know that that's, not God, that that's not God's best. You know, as we were talking, I love this scripture 
this is just fun because it shows that married life, married sexuality is good and is not something that is dreaded. And if I can get anything in your head is that God is all about it. He's for it. He created it. And he wants you to have the best. Look what wisdom says. Because we don't go for experience in this topic. We go after wisdom. We want to see what the wisdom of God has to say. Look what this says of, of Solomon talking about his wife. As he says in verse 19 that she is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Yes, you are, Bree. Where are you? Lovely deer, graceful doe. Says this. I set myself up here. Let her breast satisfy you always. <laughs> it says, may you always be captivated by her love. See what happens when you get ahead of yourself. But I love this because it says, may you be captivated by her love. That you see a man who is in love with his woman and he's not afraid to say it. And so you see the joy and the goodness that takes place there. And so again, marriage is God's best. It's his way. And wherever you find yourself today or however you got into marriage, my prayer is, is that as things come up or as insecurities come up, that you would invite the Spirit of God to bring healing into that where it doesn't hold you back for what all that God has. Let's see what Paul has to say. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. This is where we need to buckle our seatbelts as it gets, he starts stepping on some toes. Uh, to get in the context, the right context, he's speaking to the church in Corinth. And if you know anything about Corinth, Corinth could be known as a modern-day Las Vegas strip. And what Corinth had to offer, whatever desire you had, whatever sexual uh, way you would swing or whatever you wanted right there, Corinth could offer it on the spot, similar to a Vegas style of living. And so Paul is teaching the Christian way of sexuality, the Christian way of of understanding things like homosexuality and adultery were okay in a Greco-Roman society, but now in God's way, there's something better. And again, you have to see it as he's not trying to make the world small. He's saying to have the best, here's some boundaries where you can experience all that God has sexually for you. Verse nine says this, it says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's a sobering thought right there. And I love this. I love this right here. This is, was a pep talk I'd give myself in my single years. Don't fool yourself, aka don't play around with it. Be serious with it. And so it says, don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And so we read this and it's sobering and maybe you can identify with something of that degree in your life or in your past. But what we're about to see in a minute is that Paul doesn't leave us there. He shows us how we walk out of this, how we confront this, how we approach it with grace in our life. Because here's the truth when you read something like this is when you see you won't inherit the kingdom of God. See, God's kingdom, God's salvation is not a ticket into heaven. God wants to bring his kingdom through you and I here on the earth. And he wants to set us up and empower us to be all that we are called and created to be. And so he gives us, again, these parameters. If you want all of me to come through you, then stay away from these things because you're not gonna get the kingdom of God in your life. 
And so let's see what he has to say, 1 Corinthians 6.11. I need some of you get to get excited about this. But it says, some of you were once like that. But then here's what it says. It says, but now you are cleansed. Somebody say amen, that we are cleansed when the grace and the blood of Jesus touches us. It says, you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And so this sets it up that it's by the Spirit of God we can become cleansed. Whatever our past mistakes, whatever we did in between when we were single, whatever we did when we were engaged before we were married, all of those things can be cleansed when we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We repent, we turn, we allow God to deal and heal, and then we say, take me in, Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, and cleanse me and make me new. So Paul gives us what grace looks like and what grace can do if we choose to walk in it and be obedient. I love it as well because he just hits all angles because around the idea of grace, sometimes we miss it and how it's empowerment, not just a covering. Grace is not a covering. Grace is an empowerment to get out, to get sin out of our lives and to be transformed. And so Paul deals with any naysayers that we can just sin and ask for forgiveness. And then we get back in the same cycle and we sin, we ask for forgiveness because that's not God's heart. He wants to empower us out of it. How many of you have have seen God's transforming power in your life where he has walked you out of some things? Look what it says as he's talking with this group of people. He says that you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You know, sex addiction is very real. And sex can own people. It owns industries. Sex sells. We hear it all the time. And what we see here is, and what we hear all the time is, and maybe you ask subconsciously or you ask people in your life or you ask God of what is sin and what is it, where we say, I want to be right here on the line, and I'm on the line, but I'm not going to cross the line. So Paul is addressing that. Instead of having the attitude of saying, what sin, what's not, I'm just going to walk the line. He's saying, take a step back here and from back here, evaluate where that line is and evaluate your life. And instead of saying, is this sin or is is this not sin? Say, not everything is good for me. There are some things that just aren't good for me. This is common sense talking here. So it's saying to take the approach of not walking the line and trying to figure out, but step back here and ask, is this wisdom? Is this good for me? Is this not? Is this the pattern I want to see my children walk in? Is this the pattern I want for my marriage? And so it's saying you have to evaluate, take a step back. And I've shared in the first week a little bit of my dad's story of the decisions he made growing up and how he, ha- he didn't know his mother. His, he was born out of wedlock. He Uh, had to pretty much raise himself with the help of some grandparents and the the decisions and the things he had to walk up and out of. And I honor that in him because he fought for me, he fought for my mom, he fought for my brothers to say that what he had to experience through a broken sexual past, my boys and my family are not going to experience. So you need to know even a lot of the times what you deal with sexually and the desires and the urges can very much be generational and can very much be passed down from one generation to the next if one generation somewhere does not step in and say enough is enough. And so there's power in this if you can hear it this morning. 
look what it goes on to say. This is uh, a great scripture here. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, it says run, or other translation says, it says to flee sexual sin. It says no other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. So again, it's elevating it that sex just isn't, um, you know, something as simple as theft, but there's this level of pain and hurt and uh, a, a place that it can come and affect your life. And so it's elevating it that it says, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. You know, I wanna leave you with this and I wanna stir some hope up in you is that it says in scripture in Isaiah 53, five, it says that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. It says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, come on, everybody say this, we are healed. You know, there's the difference between a transgression and an iniquity. A transgression, for example, since we're talking about sex, and one of the commandments is not to commit adultery. And so the act of adultery is a transgression. When you physically act upon it, that's a transgression. You come over here with an iniquity, and what an iniquity is is the motives, the inward things that pushed you to go toward the act. Many times, we just deal with the transgression of it. We deal with the act of it, or the law deals with the act of it, but never allowing the Holy Spirit, again, to deal and to go in and heal the iniquity of what was taking place. I'm telling you, if you want to find sexual freedom and to be able to walk in purity in your life, it's saying, Holy Spirit, deal with the iniquity of what has taken place in my life. It's powerful, and God can move in amazing ways. And that's what I love that it says. It says he was wounded for our transgressions. You know, I see it this way. That is, Christ is literally being flogged. He's being beaten. He's thinking of you and I. Hebrew says that it, you and I were the joy set before him. That he would know the, the, the battle that, sex, that sexuality is in our lives to walk in purity. It's as though he's staying there taking another one for us because he cares about us that much and he gave us a way to walk in purity. And so it's seeing this scripture. It's making it personal and knowing that you don't have to stay in sexual bondage. You don't have to stay addicted to pornography. You don't have to stay uh, addicted to masturbation, that there is, way, there is a way out, and it says it right here, that he was wounded for our transgression. He dealt with the inward side. He dealt with the iniquity of it, and it says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and again, let's say this together, and by his stripes, we are healed. He gives the healing and he gives the path to it. Look at Romans 6, 13, and Corey, if you would come. Look what it says. This is the challenge, and this is the command that God gives us. It says this, it says, don't let any part of your body, sexually, not sexually, become an instrument of evil to serve sin. It says, instead, give yourselves, this is how we get sexual freedom right here, hear it. It says, instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. If you're in Christ, you have new life. And there is power available to you this morning. It says, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So it's the idea of surrender. It's giving yourself completely over to God. Because we keep this area of our lives in the closet. It's not really addressed. It's not really talked about. And it can cause so much, again, hurt and pain 
and there's so much questions around it, and there's so much bondage in it, because the enemy knows if he can keep you uptight and not dealing with this, then he's got you choked at the neck, and you're not going to be able to really move and find the freedom that is offered to you and that Christ paid the price for for you to have. I believe 100% he can turn any perversion in our life into purity. He can turn perversion into purity. He wants to redeem our minds. He wants to arrange our minds and get us to have God's heart sexually. And again, sexual freedom, it can set us free of our past. It sets us free of our present. And it sets us free in our future that we're to shore ourselves up, that we're to have fidelity in our marriage relationships. Look what Hebrews 13.4 says. says that marriage is honorable among all and that the bed be undefiled. You know, God gives instructions even in the marriage bed. You read Ephesians 5, that men were not to lord and be authoritative uh, figures and, and, and icons where women are under our thumb and they're just to fulfill our sexual. No, that's not how that is. Ephesians 5 shows the beauty of mutual submission and giving of each other to one another in this beautiful picture of even what the marriage bed is to look like, that it's to be undefiled. The word honor here means to hold in high regard and to protect at all costs. That men, our job specifically is to protect. See, a third truth of, of sex that God provides for us is that there is a protection that is there. There is a glue that comes in the marriage relationship that when the affair starts knocking or the eye starts getting lazy and wandering away, there is a protection. Scripture even says this in, in 1 Corinthians, that it says, if you're to go away and pray, make sure you come back so that the enemy won't tempt you. And so if you find yourself and there's not uh, sexuality being expressed in your marriage, the Bible gives that command. It's not good that there be these long droughts. And so make sure that this is a routine, an active part of your marriages. The Bible tells it so clearly and gives us his design for it. But what I want to do, Troy, if you would bring the lights down, I want to pray and I want to have a moment where we surrender our sexuality, both past, both present, and future. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your story or your history. And honestly, that's between you and God, unless you want to confess we're here. But what I want to happen is I want you to make a confession right now to God. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender my sexuality to you. I surrender the stuff in the closet that I can't even bear to look at or bear to even bring up. I surrender it to you. I surrender my present situation. I surrender the loneliness I feel. I surrender the temptation that's bombarding me. And in the future, I surrender my future in my marriage. I surrender, God, who you have for me, who you're gonna bring into my life. You know, that's one thing I'm, I'm thankful and uh, I joke about it, but my mom had the discernment. I could not get away with anything. And I would get mad at it. Like I would want to maybe sneak out on a date and she would have a dream and then confront me. I'm like, oh my gosh. But be thankful for truth and be thankful for discernment and be thankful. Maybe you have parents who have prayed for your spouses, who have prayed for who God is to have you with. 
and know that we pray for you. And this is something, see, the Bible is full of family talk. The Bible is full of advice and wisdom and instruction in our relationships. Don't get off board and pursue the love of money and miss what God is wanting to do in your everyday life. God's heart, again, wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I want you to stand this morning. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to have a moment. This is between you and God. I just want you to lift your hands right where you're at. I just want you to make this personal between you and God. I believe He's bringing to the forefront of your mind some things that you know are just eating away at you, some things maybe you've never told anybody. And you just need to surrender those to God right now and allow his process to begin. Holy Spirit, right now with our hands lifted in surrender, we surrender our sexuality to you. We break the back of the devil right now as we get honest, as we get real with what's going on in our lives, with what's gone on in our past, and we're gonna take precautions and preparation for our future. God, I thank you that your word is loud and clear about this. God, I break the power of any spirit of condemnation, any spirit of guilt, or any spirit of, well, I'm messed up here, what's the point? I've gone too far, this isn't, there's no hope for me. God, I thank you that purity is for every believer, and when we walk out of here, we're saying, we're laying that down, and we're going to choose to walk in purity, because we're thankful that purity produces power, purity produces strength, purity produces security in our lives, Father, and we ask right now with our hands lifted, we say, Holy Spirit, we surrender our sexuality to you, past, present, future, and we ask that the God who heals our transgressions the acts that we've done, the acts done against us, the wounds, the motives behind what was done in ignorance or in willingly knowing, God, we ask that you would come and give us wisdom, that you would show us the way to sexual freedom. God, that this would be the starting board for some of us in our lives. God, to get free in this area. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We give you room to move right now. Set us free. You love us. You've given us this gift. And it's time that the enemy put his perversion down. And it's time that we be set free and walk in all that God created it to be in our lives. We honor you this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Well, I believe what has just taken place in your life is a process. As Pastor Joyce has said multiple times, we would love that a prayer would take care of everything. You can be seated. We would love that a prayer can take care of everything. But this is the beginning process of working out your salvation in the area of sexuality. So what's going to happen and what I've seen is that you're going to be driving down the road. The Holy Spirit's going to bring something to your attention. And that's going to be a time for you to confess it. And it's going to be a time for you to then investigate God's word on what it has to say about it. Again, this was just a 35-minute overview. But God wants to get his heart. And what can happen? Think if you can get this and what you can pour into your kids. That this subject does not need to be taboo in our homes. Because as Bree and I were even talking, when we were exposed to uh, sexuality, was when we she was in fourth grade, I was in fifth grade. And so that was you know, 10 years ago or longer ago, and 15 years, whatever. 
I don't know how old I am. <laughs> and so we see all the data shows that I believe it's every week kids are exposed to 147 sexual images on television, on the internet, Instagram, whatever. And so the culture's telling them what to do with these desires, but is the church, our parents, our families, that it would be a safe place for when puberty takes place in your house, that they can come to you and ask you questions. Are they gonna go to their friend? Are they gonna go to Google and find out what's going on? And so in order to have ultimate hope for your home, this needs to be something that you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on and to empower you and to give you hope. You guys been blessed this morning? Yeah. You've been good? Yeah. Awesome. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.